0: Hey everyone, Yasmin here. We are running our last rebroadcast of the year this week with one of my personal favorites. I've probably listened to this podcast at least two or three times. So I hope you enjoy it and I'll see you next week when we're back with new weekly episodes for the rest of the year. All right, hope you enjoy this one and see you soon. Hey everyone, I'm Yasmin Nori and you're listening to the Behind Her Empire podcast. I'm on a mission to showcase successful self-made women who share honest stories and lessons of what it really takes to create the life you want and build your own empire. If you've been listening to the show, you know, just like you, I've been on my own personal journey to build my empire. And for the last year and a half, I've worked diligently on starting a new business all around helping women tackle their period problems and hormonal imbalances using a natural whole foods approach. If you're suffering from extreme cramps, fatigue, bloating. Stay tuned because a little bit later in the podcast, I'll share a bit more about my company, Bia. But for now, let's jump into today's episode. I want to welcome this week's guest, Mary Ruth Guillaume, to our show today. Mary Ruth is the founder and CEO of Mary Ruth Organics, a family friendly wellness brand offering over 130 high quality vitamins and supplements. Mary Ruth began her personal journey into health and wellness after the sudden and passing of both her father and brother and health issues with her mom. She founded her brand in 2015 when she was working as a health coach and struggled to find supplements to recommend to her clients that were easy to take and didn't make them nauseous on an empty stomach. She made a very small batch of a sugar-free raspberry liquid morning multivitamin, and the rest is history. Mary Ruth went from $700,000 in debt to bringing in over a dollars million dollars in sales with zero outside investors. We talked to Mary Ruth about her biggest tips on overcoming adversity, how she got herself out of debt and gained financial freedom for herself, the power of time blocking to organize your life, and how she built this massive profitable business with zero connections. Welcome to the show, Mary Ruth. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Well, I'm so happy. I'm very familiar with the brand, but wasn't too familiar with your story and digging deep i'm like i need to have a 3 hour conversation with you because <laughs> i'm so inspired by everything so i have goosebumps just talking about it so i can't wait for our listeners to get to know your journey because you are truly such an inspiration and you know i'd love to actually start with a high level question before we go into your journey you know you've had so many roadblocks in your life which we'll get into today and faced countless amount of obstacles but you really never allowed it to get in your way of your goals and your dreams and i'm curious For a woman that's listening in today and thinks that their life circumstances are holding them back, what would you tell her? This is such a beautiful question. So I have a favorite quote. It's
1: everyone overestimates what they can do in one year and underestimates what they can do in 10 years. And I think that hopefully that quote is very comforting for people because if I think life is so amazing, but I also, especially from my own experience, really know the feeling of going through so many challenges, whether loss of a job or a loved one or financial challenges. And so something that has helped me that I think other people can probably relate to is this idea that every single day a bunch of things are going to happen that we can't control. And those challenges might last one week, one month, a couple of years. But I think that people have all the tools that they need to know what works best for them and know how to simultaneously at the exact same time of going through a challenging season. Also, they know what to do to move their life forward, even if it's just the smallest micro action, something as simple as drinking water or going to sleep on time. I do believe that for me, if I look back at the last 38 years of my life, I was able to feel like you can still move your life forward, even during extremely challenging times. And, and it might not be as fast as you want it to be. But I think that taking care of yourself and being really patient, but ensuring that you're moving forward is kind of like this perfect mix that has worked really well for myself and so many people that I know.
0: Yes, and I love this because obviously, you know, as an entrepreneur that's building their business, it's tough to pull yourself out and remember to zoom out that it, this is a long-term game. And what I loved about your journey, and which we'll get into, is putting everything that you're saying into practice with tactical things. So, it's not like you're just saying it just to say it. You know, you've lived this, you've continued experience it, and I'm just so inspired by you. But I want to start with the beginning actually and your upbringing. You know, you've had so many events occur in your life that were tr- Truly really defining moment. So can you take us back to your childhood and share more about what your life was like growing up? I am from New Jersey,
1: and I would say that I was very blessed in the sense that most of my childhood was filled with people who loved me and cared about me. And I, I had a really great life. I experienced just a lot of loss very close together. And I think it really like opened my heart at such a young age to really feel a lot of different things that people go through. And so I had lost my dad passed away when I was 12 years old and he passed away suddenly. And then it was my mom, Colleen, my brother, Daniel, and myself. And again, just really super, super close. I have all these memories of, you know, my brother coming to my lacrosse games, my basketball games, my cross country meets. I think my mom and my brother and I going through that loss made us closer. And so Fast forward a couple of years, my brother was 17 years old, a junior in high school. And he also passed away suddenly from a heart condition, a similar heart condition that my dad had that we did not know that he had. And so that's another kind of moment in my early life. I think I was 20 years old at that time, where it was just my mom and I and I had lost my dad, but also losing a child or losing someone very young is a different experience as well. And so I'm definitely the person that cries during every movie. I just, I really have a lot of empathy for things that people go through all the time. And I think it started very young.
0: Yeah, I'm so sorry to hear about all that. And love for you also just to talk about, you know, when your father passed away, he had a thriving business and you and your mom essentially took over your mom at the helm. You know, you were a little bit younger at the time. I'd love to hear about that experience because it really shifted your perspective on the importance of financial independence and your relationship with money, which I think a lot of people can learn a ton about. So can you kind of take us back to that period in your life? Absolutely. So before I just share kind of
1: the trajectory of where I learned about financial stability and how meaningful those qualities are, I (coughs) think... What I always say in our all-staff, all-company meetings when I'm sharing with people about financial stability is that we are a health and wellness company. And I think that on an individual level, businesses are also a, a macro view of a micro experience. So whenever I'm with my team, I'm talking about helping them learn to have financial health in their own individual lives, but also to then kind of expand their mind to have financial freedom and stability within our whole company. And I I say that, and we can get to this part later, but I talk a lot about how having financial stability within our company of over 100 employees gives us a lot of free will to do the things that we love and to make an impact and to even give back to not only the employees, but our customers. And I think that started very young, which is what you were saying, when my dad was a lawyer, and he also had a company called Warren Lumber. And it was a couple locations. And maybe I'm not exactly sure how many employees when he passed away. But then my mom who was an emergency room nurse took over that business. And she grew that business to be 300 employees, six locations. And at the peak of that business, and I'm in my early 20s, kind of watching all this, it was making $89 million in revenue. And then because you're using lumber to build houses when the housing market crashed and Lehman Brothers crashed, that whole company did not have what we would call like true financial stability to weather right a lot of people and it's it's no one's fault that we went through it too. You build a business but not necessarily to withstand a six month really bad period. so sometimes the business model is like every single thing has to go right, and if it doesn't go right, then the model is not working and so I saw, oh my goodness, when you build something, you need to also pretend that maybe for six months, you won't even make $1, that everything will go wrong. Can you still make payroll? Can you still pay your product orders and keep this business, which affects so many people's lives afloat? And so for me at a young age to really go through that experience. And then also to take on, we basically after that happened, once we closed all the locations, my mom had like personally guaranteed a lot in that business with our own financial family. And so we were left and it sounds like a very high number, but it is a high number, but relative to maybe the scale of the business, it's not that high of a number if you're putting things in perspective. And so my mom and I, we were left, I think in the year 2009 with in debt. And that was personal debt. That's not business debt. It was debt that we owed on credit cards or we had borrowed money from friends and family. And it took me seven years to pay back all of that debt management program and also to pay back every friend, every family member. I paid people about eight or 9% interest on that money, but it was a very slow, gradual process of repairing that. And I was able to get out of debt from taking care of people in the business I have today, which is health and wellness, nutrition, and supplements. We have over 130 products now. And it was one of the best processes I could have ever gone through. I care a lot about what I was saying, financial empowerment, women's financial empowerment, and no better experience than those seven years of my life and starting this business and and allowing this business to be profitable from day one, but it, it would never have happened if I did not go through that. So it goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning, which is that was a very long seven-year season of my life, but I felt like I could see where I was going and I <laughs> believed in myself. And so I moved forward every day a little. At least I wasn't stagnant and I wasn't going in reverse.
0: Yes. And you know, I'm curious, you mentioned something that just brought this idea to me is you and your mom had all this personal debt and you were kind of living your life on credit cards, borrowing money from people. What was that aha moment in your life where you're like, okay, we need to pause this, shift the way we think about our money and start the payback program? So what kind of
1: allowed that debt to become a mountain very fast was this uncomfortable moment when my mom, by the way, it's none of it is her fault at all. But I understand she has this business that for so many years is doing so well. And I remember the day she told me, I I really was like, oh my goodness, we have just enough money. We have a hundred grand, we can do payroll. And then we have to, this was Warren Lumber. We have to shut this business down. And so we were able to pay everyone. And then it was like this moment where like, we had to shut that down. And then we just kept living at a standard of living where there's like some denial, you know, it wasn't instantly we realized it was more when she had to sell her house and then her house was worth half the price. And so then you go from literally all we had at the time was her apartment in New York City, my apartment in New York City, my office in New York City. And you really realize, okay, There's no income coming in. Credit cards are not a source of income. And that was when we entered a debt management program. And then I started my private nutrition practice, which was 12 sessions for $2,860. And I would sign up like about, this was long before I had products, but sign up about 20 people a month. And I really enjoyed it. And it was a lot of hard work, six days a week, like 11 or 12 people a day. It was a lot. And I really enjoyed it, but it was positive when I, I was able to kind of start to create this idea of a product to kind of help with my private practice and this path to see the clearer path of how we're going to get out of this situation.
0: was literally out of commission for at least a week every single month. And that adds up to three months in every year. Other than feeling frustrated that my really bad periods were keeping me from pursuing my actual goals, I knew that something wasn't right. Women are not inherently designed to suffer every single month. Seed cycling is the simple process of using food as medicine to naturally support your hormones. It uses four different types of seeds, yes, actual seeds, throughout your menstrual cycle to support the balance of hormones like progesterone and estrogen and give your body critical nutrients it needs to achieve your best health. If you or anyone you know has been struggling with hormonal imbalances or bad periods, go to beawellness.com slash free. Once again, it's beawellness.com slash free to download our free guide to our top tips in tackling hormonal imbalances and to learn more about our seed cycling bundle. We included this link in the show notes, along with a promo code for $10 off for all of our Behind Her Empire listeners. I know you're going to love seed cycling just as much as I do. Thanks for listening. And now let's get back to the show. And you know, going back to that time. So you put all the numbers together, you know, how much you had to pay per month for your office, your home and for your mom. So that was a huge motivation of how many clients to get. So I'm sure you had a big, you know, a lot of fire under you to just make it work because you didn't have a choice. But I'm curious, you know, you never had the intention of building product business. So how did that idea for your first product come about? Cause you were seeing so many clients. So I'd love to just hear the origin story of that first amazing product. What was so great
1: about whole story is that it really came from other people and it came from taking care of other people and this is a very important distinction in my story that I hope that people can connect with I didn't know how I was going to get out of the debt but I did truly believe that this is only my problem I'm not going to look for other people to help me and I did not have the solution but what I told myself was, if I give 100% effort every day, I think all of the solutions are going to start to unfold. That is very important. Anyone who's listening, I'm sure they can pinpoint something in their life right now that they are not sure how they're going to overcome and they're not even sure how long it's going to take. I think it all goes back to time management. So if you are able to lean on yourself and manage your time correctly, and build confidence in yourself, self-esteem in yourself, that you can overcome this challenge. And then you put forth good time management, good effort, perseverance, all I I promise, I believe that every solution is going to start to unfold as you're going. So what was beautiful was like, when I was trying to book my private practice full of clients, I I didn't really know anyone. I'm not like running in in these groups circles where maybe like someone can introduce me to someone else. It wasn't really like that. It was more, I'm going to market to friends of friends on Facebook. So I ran this little square ad that said, listen very carefully, everyone. It said free 50 minutes, not 15, but free. This is how I built it from nothing. I'm gonna get to the products in a second, but free 50 minutes consult at my office in Regis, which was just like WeWorks on 47th and 3rd. And guess what? People are coming. This was 2013. People are coming in person for their free 50-minute consult. And I would have to do something like, just to show you the amount of effort and patience it takes to really build something so that people don't feel discouraged, I would do like nine free 50 minute consults. That's nine hours where I would do the same thing and I would sign up one person. And so that was one new client for $2,860. I got to relieve so many of my clients. I wrote about them in my book. They still write to me on Instagram. They always say like, we were ahead of our time, like the concept of liquids to lunch was ahead of its time. And, and I'm very close with so many of them. And I saw miracles. So many people got married. They changed their job. They lost weight. They overcame Lyme's disease and eczema and all these things. And the product came from taking care of people, right? So I don't know how I'm going to get out of debt, but I knew I'm going to give all this effort. I'm going to be with people. The solutions will come. And it came, the idea came from being with my clients, which was, I was always teaching a concept liquids to lunch, which is to have a green juice, smoothie, vegetable broth, coffee until 12. And then people would say, I love it. I love liquids to lunch. We would meet once a week with each person. And I had group classes and live webinars and many different formats that were affordable for everyone. Like We had a $100 class. We had a $1,000 group class. And people would say, I love liquids lunch, but what do I do? I cannot take my vitamins, the capsules. They're making me nauseous. And I thought, I need to make a liquid vitamin that is broad spectrum, full spectrum, no sugar. A lot of the things on the market tasted like tomatoes or they are had agave and it came from other people. And so that whole thing was like calling for six months, all different manufacturers, because usually you need something about, like $20,000 to make a custom blend of anything. And I was able to convince a manufacturer in California and I'm in New York to my husband designed the label, sent it to manufacturer. I was able to convince her to do one custom blend batch of 90 bottles. And I remember she even told me to put in agave and I said, no, the glycerin is sweet enough. I'm not putting in agave. We're not doing that. And I sold it in my office. My clients, I I shipped some bottles to Amazon, my clients reviewed it without me asking, I had like 22 five star reviews. And it went to the first page of Amazon. And that was before Amazon was even cool. No one was selling anything on Amazon. Then that's really where it started. And a distinction along the eight years is that first four years, my mom and I never hired any employees. Instead of spending, you know, 50,000 on an, an employee, we took that money and then launched another product and then launched another product. And that really allowed us to have that financial freedom and stability of not spending any money that we didn't have and allowing the building that health of what is today Mary Ruth organics. There's another very important part of the story, but I might save it for a little later about just one decision that I had to make that was the most important decision that I've ever had a choice to make versus a lot of things happened to me in my life that I had no control over.
0: Yeah, no, let's actually talk about that. I have a few questions, but we can always circle back because I think this is very important for all women. So I'd love to hear about that one decision that was in your hands that you're about to control now that looking back has made such an impact in your life. This is so important. A lot
1: of times, whenever I get to have an amazing opportunity like being on this podcast where I know there's a majority of women listening. I always try to share this because I think that not even one day goes by that I don't really remember this. I think about it all the time. And so just to be super clear, as we were sharing, there were some things along the last like 15 years where I didn't have control, right? So my brother passing away or my dad passing away, or even the financial collapse of my mom's business. You know, it's not my business at the time. It's my mom. So that was more like inheriting. And we were together every step of the way. And we still work together nonstop. My mom has been the CFO of our company for eight years. Only recently, we hired a new CFO. But my mom and I are together in everything but inheriting all of that debt. And there were just other things that I didn't have a lot of control over. So if I'm looking at the last like 15 years of my life, again, I'm 38 years old. There was one moment that is the most important moment in my whole life. And it's just so meaningful and impactful, I think, because I think that, well, my hope is that other people... Have already gone through something like this, so when they're hearing it, they they feel like I remember when I did that too. Or if someone is on the fence about a decision, for me this is like everything. So when I was in the like in the middle of the seven hundred thousand dollars in debt um, and really chipping away at that debt every single day, I you know met someone in New York City who was in our group of friends, my husband today, David, and. He and I share the same birthday, same year. So February 11th, 1984, he's three hours ahead of me, born before me. And we look nothing alike, but we are so much the same person. And that's important because I've always loved him. And I was so excited to get married to him. And there was a moment when I had to kind of make this choice. I have all this debt and I love David. And David was working for a non-for-profit and then didn't really have any savings or anything. So we're really just building our life together. And I'm, you know, telling my mom that I'm going to marry David. I'm so happy. And I remember I had just gotten engaged. One of our friends who was, I think, three or four years older than, than me at the time, he kind of always, we all knew it was kind of a joke that we all knew that he liked me and he was very, very, very financially successful. Me- millions and millions of dollars in the bank. And even when I had gotten engaged to David, a couple of days after that, I remember he said, no, are you sure? I remember exactly how he was standing, by the way. I he was like, are you sure? Are you sure you want to spend the rest of your life working? And I knew it was just that he was even turning red. I wasn't even turning red. He was turning red. I knew it was like not making sense to him. Like I have debt and I'm just going to go marry this person and, and he maybe is great, whatever he's thinking in his mind. But I I didn't even really, I just knew like, I love David. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this mess, but it goes back to the theme, what we were talking about. Like I believe in myself, I'm going to figure this out. I don't know how, but I will hopefully figure this out. And on my, even on my wedding day, my mom said, and my mom, again, so supportive, but now that I have four Young children, I understand why she was so terrified. We have so much debt. It's crippling amounts of debt and and she just said like, "Why do you want to marry David? Are you sure?" It was on my wedding day. <laughs> oh my gosh, my my husband, my husband borrowed a suit. Um my best friend Aaron made my wedding dress. We had no wedding cake. I had a $200 ring on my finger for like 5 or 6 years that gave me a horrible rash. Eventually, I just kind of stopped wearing it. And by the way, I don't feel bad for myself at all. So I don't want people to think like, I feel bad for myself. I don't feel bad for myself. I'm really just sharing that. I remember on my wedding day, the dress didn't fit. And I went like this when I was dancing and two holes, you know, two holes popped under my arms in the dress and we like cut the dress with like scissors. Oh my goodness. I'm just sharing part of my experience, which was like, my mom asked me and I said, I know that I would not trade David for anyone. And so fast forward, if I had married the other person out of fear, I would not be talking with you on the podcast. I would not have my business, 150% not have my business. Again, we have a team of over 100 people. I wouldn't have all these amazing teammates. And most importantly, honestly, the joy, like the joy that David and I have had together like i've never shared this on a podcast but sometimes if people know our brand they see that like my face is on the label i never really shared this before it never came to my mind you know my husband designed the label not me so it was back when we didn't have any money and he was trying to save money on a graphic designer and he made the label and you know honestly like he just loves me so much he wanted to give me something he just put my face on the label you know And like we built something together from nothing like, and it took a really long time. And now today, like this morning, we're with our four children. We're like talking to Amazon Marketplace with our team and we're having company culture meetings. And it's really like a moment I hope that, that people will also get to experience when you have to just believe in yourself and use, again, the time management thing, like use all of your strength to tackle each day's problem within a 24 hour period. I know that people can do whatever, whatever they set their mind to. And, and I just really love David so much.
0: Yes, oh my gosh, what a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing that. I hadn't heard you talk about that in other interviews, but what I find so inspiring from, you know, your life before David, early with David with the business, and you mentioned this, you never really tapped into that fear, right? You really had this strong belief in yourself that you would figure things out. And curious, did you have a spiritual practice that kept you centered or I know you mentioned time blocking a few times because, you know, being in the thick of it at that level which I don't even I'm not experiencing but sometimes you'll have those days where you're like, what am I doing? And then, you know, I, I now know how to recenter myself and really commit to my why. But what really worked for you? Because you had that at such a young age. And clearly, it's really beautiful the way your life has really blossomed and turned out. I love this question.
1: And, and so the answer
0: is two parts for
1: me. The first part, which I'll share in a moment, is just kind of how much my parents loved me, which helped grow my self-esteem. And the second thing is time blocking. So the first one I just wanted to acknowledge, and by the way, I have plenty of friends who also do not have great parents. So I don't want people to hear this and think that it only has to be your parents. If, if you don't have a supportive parent, I truly believe in like supportive mentors or friends, family. So first part of overcoming this or the idea of like not, defaulting to fear and believing in yourself for me was i grew up with two parents who really really loved me unconditionally and then that uh, that support of unconditional love and support creates i do believe self esteem i also think that if you are unable to get external support from someone a way to cultivate your own self esteem so that you don't default to fear is doing what you say you're going to do Every single time you organize the house, the kitchen after your children are sleeping and you do it, you build a little bit of self-esteem. And that's also how you become truly your best self. And so I wish maybe someday I will have like a meditation practice or something, but the one true anchor, more true than any, anyone in my external circle More true than my relationship with my husband is my personal relationship with time blocking, because that's something between me and myself that is allowing me to cultivate a little bit more self confidence every day. And I have done time blocking, which I'll share what it is in a moment for those listening. I used to say on podcasts, I've done time blocking for 15 years, but now it's really 18 years. So my early 20s, I have time blocked from being single, not married, with not that much in my
0: time block. (laughs) But you think it's a lot
1: at the time. (laughs) Oh, oh my goodness. I have (laughs) memories from New York City time blocking again. When yes. And now I have a four-and-a-half-year-old, a a three-year-old, and two twins, Jacob and Grace, who are 17 months old, while very much taking an operational, day-to-day operational role in my company. I have time blocked for 18 years. We did the math, and it's over 130,000 hours. I believe in time blocking so much. It is how I have not lost confidence, lost my morale, lost momentum through all kinds of everyone can relate challenges that we go through that every single person goes through every single day, when things don't go our way, which happens every day. And so I just wanted to share that what time blocking is for anyone who's listening is, I always suggest looking on YouTube, it's really popular on TikTok, Google on YouTube, what is time blocking, there's many ways to do it. I do it very simple practice. So this would be my maybe my meditation practice, which is the day before. I always time block. So let's say tomorrow is Wednesday, Tuesday, I'm going to time block early afternoon. You don't want to save it till late at night because your cortisol is high. You're going to be stressed. You'll feel overwhelmed. So like three or four o'clock, I just time block everything I'm going to do the next day. And I mean everything. So the podcast, every Zoom call, let's take a real one from my real life. This is today. Let's look at what's going to happen after my children go to bed. So after my children go to bed, I even have time blocked here that I want to do a face mask. I want to order, I've been ordering David, like, like a few takeout things to add to the dinner that I already make. And I need to print an email that's six labels that I need to show to someone for another meeting at 1030. Sometimes it'll say something like, buy Ethan size 10 medium shoe or Elliot's pants have a hole in it, or buy a potty training book, basically anything you want to do, you put there and it gives you I, I have like scissors, I start cutting like everything I achieve off. And so many things happen. So many fires happen every day, whatever you don't finish, you just move to the next day. So you just keep going. And so I don't rely on that many to do lists, I rely more on Seven days of time blocking in advance, so that I know this weekend we have Vegan Fest. We have a booth at Vegan Fest. And I know that my children have a birthday party at 12 noon on Sunday. And after I take them to the birthday party, then we're going to go swing by and say hi to my team right before they eat their snack at 3 p.m. But I find structure creates freedom. So everyone wants freedom. That's the number one thing. Everyone wants freedom. They want to create a life. That is full of happiness, full of joy. And I believe that every person listening knows what makes them happy. I don't know. And so, why I love time blocking is sometimes a lot of us feel like we don't have freedom. And I I mean, sometimes as a mom, also as a working mom, I mean, if I didn't have time blocking, I would actually think that I have not even one minute to myself. So, writing something simple like, I wanna buy new Nike sneakers four days in advance makes me feel like there's going to be this moment when I get on my laptop and it might not be for two weeks cause it might just keep getting pushed, but everything is the compound effect. So I can say this about time blocking. It gives you a little extra energy when you're tired or distracted to go the distance a little bit more. If you magnify 365 actions that you may have never done this year at the end of the year, you did them, you're already moving your life forward. So one final example, I wanted to organize my whole house. This is crazy. Every Sunday, I only get to one cabinet. And I've been going for nine months. Only one, only one. It's like a five minute. I mean, I've got twins in the high chair throwing food everywhere. I've got my other kids, like it's crazy. And I can say because of time blocking, that after one year, I've made it through or like nine months I've made it through one and a half floors in my house with one and a half floors more to go, and that's the compound effect and that's a trait that works I think in your personal life and in your professional life. I cannot say enough about it. I hope that all the listeners will write to you that they're so happy they listened and gave this a try um and and we have every quarter in my company a mandatory workshop that I teach myself. I also teach a book club with our team, but I teach the time blocking. To our team, mostly not even for professional work, just for their personal life.
0: Yeah. Oh, I feel like we can do a whole podcast on this because I'm very passionate about this. And I think this is gold. Like for anyone who's (laughs) listening, rewind back, take notes. I truly believe this is what has allowed you to be as successful as you are. And you do a really good job thinking about the compounding effect because sometimes it's like, I'm so busy. I can't even clean the living room. But like you said, like one small little thing and that relates to your business life. Like people who have a full-time job that want to work, on that side hustle. You know, this podcast is a total side thing that I did little micro steps every day. And it really makes a huge difference. And what I love so much about what you brought up, because this is something I'm, you know, as someone who is growing this business and trying to still maintain a podcast and life and personal, my health, right? Yes. Even just going to the dentist, going to the eye doctor, getting your blood work done. Yes. It's important and we forget about it. And, you know, now I now know what it feels like to feel good. You know, so many years I didn't know what it feels like. So I try to prioritize it, but that's part of what makes me be an inspired entrepreneur and do all these projects and stay sane, which is so important when you're leading a team, right? And, you know, what I love about what you mentioned about time blocking and, you know, I do it in my calendar, but I think I'm going to write it out because I think there's something powerful, right? About writing it. And what's interesting you brought up is that you have all these expectations of what you might do. So even like figuring, out, I think a lot of us overestimate what we can do in one day. I don't know if you've gone better at that, or if you have any advice there. That's something that I'm still working on. Like, I think I'm this monster that can do so many things, but it's not the case. So are you more realistic? And do you give yourself buffer time? Yes. So why it's so amazing
1: is this is, in my opinion, a personal practice, a personal moment when you get to like have so much self awareness. And so because you're blocking and then you're living your life and you're seeing what challenges come up, what is, you know, I'm very big into like voice memo texts, the voice memo on Slack um, versus calling someone, you can start to see like just how much you can control time uniquely to your 24 hour period. And then you get better at, like how I have these sheets here. These are the seven days of time blocking. Even if I'm going to go to the airport, I'm already time blocking what's really going to happen. And then I can make decisions like this is not realistic. I will do my own manicure because there's no way I can take one and a half hours. That's a lot of like the art. And it's like the most amazing feeling. And after, again, 18 years of doing it, I I did it through everything. Even I have a one my, one of my children is special needs, so I had to learn to add the physical therapy and the occupational therapy and the speech therapy and the hyperbaric all these things into the block. But then also have other children, so spacing it all out, like you learn what's realistic and what's not. But then you can see, for example, the twins are going to go to the first dentist appointment. And get their passport in May. I booked that in January, but it's the compound effect. Like if you have a list of 72 things, I guarantee if you start the time blocking seven days a week and then you have the 72 list, you're going to start to know, let me do this now. And I think it's the greatest thing in the world. I, I, one final example, my husband and I got picked up from the airport on last Wednesday, I think. And there was an amazing young twenty-five-year-old driving us. Just, just I think it was Uber, and he said something like, "Do you have any advice for me? Like I'm, you know, I'm going out there. I'm twenty-five. I want, I want to meet a girl, and I want to grow my business." And, and I just started talking to him about time management. I just told him that he cannot fail if he learns how to. Uh, I told him about time blocking, obviously, but I, I just kind of painted a picture for him of my certainty in the process. And obviously it's not for everyone, but I think for the majority of people listening to this podcast, it might really be something that's going to help them have peace, inner peace, because then if something really happens, you can time push everything to the following week. Okay. A child got sick. Okay. All of this is moving to the next week and you still feel like you're moving forward. And that creates a lot of internal peace for people when they can see all the puzzle and they push it and they push it, but they, they still feel that they're moving forward. They won't allow life to
0: push them down to the point of. Stagnation. I love this so much because, to your point, you know, when you do feel overwhelmed, there's something therapeutic about putting everything that's in your head on paper. So that's already like big right there. And it gives me a lot of peace, especially (laughs) as an entrepreneur. No one's telling you what to do. You're building your own structure. And I don't even have kids yet, but I'm sure it's even (laughs) more important. But also, what I love about this is you don't have judgment on yourself, meaning if something, God forbid, happens, you know, whether it's a personal emergency, professional, like pushing that down, I feel like I've had to go through my own struggles with not being hard on myself to just like let it go. And like you said, zoom out and think about the macro, right? So everything you're saying, I really think is like the key to success. I hope you write a book one day all about this, or we'll have to do another podcast with just even more detailed, but I so appreciate you bringing that up. But going back to the origin story of Mary Ruth, so we kind of left off that you were calling all these manufacturers. You know, you are finally found someone who was willing to give you that shot of ninety products to sell. You got awareness on Amazon, and you know, one thing I'm curious about, you know, what were those early steps in terms of how you kind of gained awareness about the product? Because like you said, you guys were doing well. You were investing every dollar back in the business to create more product. But what were those like very early moments of whether it was marketing success or awareness? Was it solely Amazon at the time? Yeah. So this is a great question. It was really more friends telling
1: friends. So two things we set out to do were basically, one, I have a culinary chef background. I graduated from a top five culinary school in New York City. And we were like, okay, we're going to make the most delicious products. And then the second thing was we're going to have customer service where if you buy the product and you don't like it, you get to keep it for free and we will refund your money. And so that first four years, my mom and I really did all the customer service. And I remember even my mom, when I was giving birth to my first child, we had just gotten out of debt my mom was answering Amazon answers like in the in the emergency room because Amazon will penalize you after 24 hours if you don't reply back to customers. So we just created like such health educational kind of no stone left unturned, meaning whoever's going to come to us, we're going to help them even if they can't afford the product. So we have currently today 4000 families on financial assistance. And People will write, I can only afford vitamins for $6. So then we manually, one by one, sign up 4,000 people. And so that's kind of the no stone left unturned kind of customer service. We now have customer service 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I even, nothing against Peloton, but my Peloton was broken. And I called them and it was, I mean, they're a huge company. Monday through Friday. 9 to 5.30, only Eastern Standard Time. So and again, I never want to say anything bad about anyone, but I I thought it was so funny because I really needed someone to help. And so we have like email, phone, chat 24 seven, which we're, we're really proud of. And that was a lot of the marketing. We didn't have... That much marketing for years. I think we only had a marketing budget like the last three years. That's why, like, we don't have a blue check on Instagram. Like, we're a very, I only started doing podcasts like a year ago. We kind of just said, like, internal matches external. We're going to invest in our internal team. Hopefully, that love and that energy will be externally shared with customers. And so the whole model was like the most delicious product, the greatest customer service. And only then did we recently start proper I think traditional marketing I've answered literally thousands and thousands of direct messages myself via voice memo because I have a learning disability so I don't really like writing so I always voice memo and I think that that is hopefully a great takeaway for others listening that just to be super patient and to no stone left unturned like each person that comes to you never turn them away that's why we care support happen. Like people come to you for something. We said, okay, they can't afford the product. Let's put them in a special program. and Let's build around that. And I think that if people know that they can answer every Facebook message, answer every Instagram themselves, I think the path is going to unfold like what should we do next with marketing
0: that's really reassuring to me and just to even see you know the compounding effect of that because you guys grew i mean 100 million in revenue in 7 years that is really impressive so i mean was it just the compounding growth of like laying the foundation right with your customers with your product word of mouth cuz that is amazing with no outside investment Thank you so much. So a couple things. One, just
1: to put it in perspective for people of how careful my mom and I were every with every single dollar. We were doing over, and remember we're profitable since day one. So we were doing over 10 million in revenue with a good amount of EBITDA, a good amount of profit, over 10 million in revenue with profit, and we never hire even one employee. So that I, I want people to like, Take a moment to really hear that. Like, we were so dedicated to the financial, the gradual, slow process of not spending any money. We took all of the money and we kept making new products. It really allows you to build what we talked about a financially healthy business with free will. Because a lot of times, and this is nothing bad, I just sincerely want to help people who might be on the fence, like, Should they take on early investments? Also, sometimes one of the things to be careful about if you take on an early investment, because people were trying for a very long time to even buy 10% of our company, but we always said no. So let's say you take on an early investment and now you think you have millions of dollars worth of marketing spend. Unfortunately, it's a false sense of security. You might go and make marketing choices that are not at the right time in the right way. And then you, your burn rate, you burning through cash will then unfortunately allow you to maybe need to take another investor, another investor, and then your back's kind of up against the wall and you have no more free will. So instead, again, for anyone in the early process, I, I really hope that people are not hard on themselves, that instead they are patient, that they give it time and that they focus on just taking care of every person. It's like a quantum butterfly effect. Like whoever is coming in your circle, no stone left unturned, like respond to the Facebook message, respond to the, the email, get back to people. Even if it's difficult, we're going to make mistakes. Like we can help you. We can get information that you need and allow it to gradually grow and, and allow the marketing. Don't take a big risk go slow, take a risk, get a return on investment, take another risk, don't double down too much. And then all of a sudden, it didn't go well. And and so I think the main takeaway is to be really patient and really care about your work and know that it will grow and it will unfold. And we grew truly through word of mouth. So truly that People, t- we we weren't, weren't we only got in Whole Foods I think like two years ago, so no retail, no real marketing spends, really customer service base, which is great because if if someone's listening, they have four people. If you if you look at that that way, you can build your own customer service team to help everyone who's interacting with you. And we have also um, a very high employee retention rate at our company. And for vitamins, we have a a, a very high number for um once people are with us they do stay for a while and i think it it's just goes back to those fundamentals
0: yeah. And you also had an amazing and unique and great product, which you focus so much on. So I think that's really amazing because, you know, there's so many people and what you read in the press that, you know, they have these million dollar businesses, but they've raised money. And it's great to highlight stories like yours because there are different ways of growing a business. And it's just good to be aware of the pros and cons of which path you want to take. And really, like you said earlier in the interview, like it's so important to be self aware about what you want and how you want to grow the business. And, you know, similar to you growing up, my dad was very, entrepreneurial. So I've seen high successes and low successes. And I'm very careful about how I'm building the business. Also, I wanted to say one other quick
1: concept so that people could look it up. We use a negative cash flow conversion cycle. So that's what Walmart uses to grow and scale. It means that You are able to convince your manufacturers that you will pay for the product like 90 days after you receive it. So you can sell it first and then pay. So for people, just look up negative cash flow conversion cycle. That's a huge part of of what we did. And then and then in August 2021, we took on our first minority investment deal. I'm not sure if you're aware, but we did take on a minority partner, which was very important in order for the company to have a valuation so that we could give equity to the majority of our employees, but also we did long-term incentive plan for the entire company, so every single employee. So you also need kind of to become solidified in order to give out to your employees. So we did take on, not because we needed, the business did not need that partnership, but we wanted to build a real infrastructure. And so it was a
0: great great moment for our whole team. It's huge. And I and I read that you were, you know, you didn't hire a banker, it was just you. And the fact that you went through all the due diligence, which I know is a huge pain, being an ex banker. I mean, big, that's amazing. Big congrats. That's huge.
1: Thank you so much. I wanted to say something. You're making my day so much now that I know that you're an ex banker, only because why it was so important for me to do that process with everyone. But I I did it directly because I wanted to really make sure as I went through 10 months of due diligence, it was one of the hardest things I've ever done. There were times I thought we weren't going to make it. Um, it It's just so intense. But that, because I didn't have like a mediator, a banker, I was really able to make sure that Butterfly were the right partners for us because I was talking directly to them. And I wrote the term sheet myself with my lawyer for the deal. So sometimes private equity will send you a term sheet. We wrote it and we sent it to them. So just kind of being the cause and not the effect.
0: So that's amazing. Like your entire life. That's just so amazing. I didn't even know, yeah, that you can even run it that way. But if you have the right connection, found the right partner, you know, you had a lawyer you trusted, it definitely... I had an amazing lawyer. Yeah, that's huge. So that's that's really amazing. And there's so much to talk about, but I'd love to close on one last question. <laughs> We've talked about so much in this interview, but taking a step back, what do you think are two or three of the biggest mistakes you see entrepreneurs making? Number one, we all just want to be happy.
1: And so we often start a business because we believe that it will make us happy. The most important thing we can do is to reverse engineer what we want our life to look like, even as the business becomes bigger than we are. So to always reverse engineer. This is my ideal day. This is what my 24 hour time block sheet will look like. What will my life look like? And then create a business model that will not rip you from who you are, that you can coexist with your business, which for me, it's like my fifth child. I want to be with my child. I'm not looking for an exit strategy. So number one, mistake I sometimes see is people build the business to overtake their spirit just every step of the way. That's why it's great to go slow. Go slow because you become different. You become a different person. Never spend even $1 more than you have. Even if you could take on an investor, don't spend any money unless you know you will see a return on investment. And use a dashboard. Really use data analytics. And always... Make sure you're taking care of yourself, your team, and your loyal community customers. Otherwise, it doesn't feel good. And then you'll wonder, why am I doing this? So, and, and I think that if you do those three things, you build a business that that coexists with your happiness, you never spend more money than you have, and you take care of the people around you. Business is identical to human human existence. Like a micro individual is very similar to a macro business. And I think that that is a great starting place.
0: Oh, amazing. Mary Ruth, you had so many awesome gems in this podcast. I'm so inspired. I'm going to re-listen to this a million times, but it was such an honor having you on. Thank you. Thank you for just having such an amazing educational podcast for everyone listening.